Yeah. Yeah. Draft day. Johnny Manziel. Five years later, how am I the man still? Draft day. A Wiggins. Fuck that other side. All right, bitch, folks. Here we are. Um, it's the eve of the NFL draft, and I'm on the mic solo here, folks, listeners. Uh, it's a little bit of a weird experience for me, but uh, one that I'd be lying to you if I told you I wasn't looking forward to it. Um, being able to hog the mic a little bit and give you guys a pick-by-pick analysis of um, where my head's at, kind of, for the for the NFL draft. Um, my philosophy is I was the GM of all of these teams going in. I looked at the depth chart, and I made what I thought was the best informed pick to you know give my my team the most success. It's it's hard to keep track of uh, trying to trying to think where where these GMs heads are at, and I just rather cut to the chase and 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 do how I would do. And it's fun to look um, look back on it in a couple of years and see wow you know maybe uh, a guy that you were a little bit higher on. Um, in the process, proved himself, uh, and and you know you get to you get to pat yourself on the back a little bit in that way. But um, <clears throat> without without trying to say too much more, that that's uh, that's the philosophy I'm bringing into this mock draft. And um, what a, what a time we're we're in right now in April with sports, uh, great playoff hockey going on right now. Um, we probably got some good basketball coming up. There's not been some. There's not been that much great playoff basketball. I mean, Damian Lillard hit it. He had a heck of a shot last night, but um, other than that, the, the NBA playoffs have been pretty pretty boring. Uh, but the NHL playoffs, man, they've been really something. And we got the draft tomorrow, and uh, the playoffs currently happening. It's a very exciting time to be a sports fan. But I'm going to stick to the NFL draft here. And without further ado, I'm going to get things started. Um, and I'm, we're starting with the, with the Arizona Cardinals. And I want to preface this as well. Josh Rosen is going to be traded. And this is the only change I'm making to this mock draft is that the Washington Redskins trade their second round pick for Josh Rosen, straight up. I don't want to overcomplicate it. I didn't want to give a first rounder. I didn't want to give a third rounder. This is a two round mock. The number 46 pick in the draft, Washington Redskins second round pick, will be given to the Arizona Cardinals in exchange for Josh Rosen, straight up. That's what's happening. So Josh Rosen is a Washington Redskin in this alternate universe of my of my GM here, and the Arizona Cardinals hold the rights to the 46th pick in the draft, which we'll get to later on. But to start this draft, Kyler Murray, number one pick to the Arizona Cardinals. My philosophy, I'll make this quick if, if for the listeners. My philosophy is if this is your guy, you take him. And if I'm Steve Kime, GM of the uh, Arizona Cardinals, this is my guy, uh, without a doubt. I think Kyler Murray... Uh, brings all the traits to the table of a franchise quarterback and then some, to be quite honest. Yeah, he's 5'10". That's about the only knock people could find about him because his game is so polished that uh, you really can't point anything else out. And boy, he shot a, he shut a lot of people up when he measured over 5'9". Uh, there were a lot of pundits out there saying that, you know, they wouldn't pick him before the third round because he's too small. But I, uh, I do not believe that. I think Kyler holds all the traits, and I think that is the quarterback you want to be moving forward with as opposed to Josh Rosen. So you trade that, you trade Rosen for that second round pick, and you bring in Kyler Murray to the Arizona Cardinals with the first pick in the 2019 NFL Draft. Um, moving forward, not too much more to say about that. The San Francisco 49ers, um, one of the easier picks in the draft, Nick Bosa. I think this guy's probably the most talented player uh, in the NFL Draft, edge rusher from Ohio State. And 
just projectability wise, I mean, Joey Bosa is probably a top five edge rusher in the NFL right now. Uh, definitely a top five edge rusher if you want to talk about in terms of value, seeing as he's 23, 24 years old. And his brother, everyone says, is the exact same player, and he seems to, to look on tape like the exact same player. So if you can bring a Joey Bosa in in this year's draft to be uh, your, your edge rusher for the next 10 to 15 years, you, you do it. You don't think twice about it. And uh, even with the Niners, the position that they've been in as a franchise, you know, you just got to kind of pick the best available player. You can't really overthink it. So I think bringing Nick Bosa in, admitting that, you know, maybe you've screwed up uh, draft-wise on this defensive line in the past years and, and we're, we're taking the best available guy and we're going to bolster this D-line with our number two pick um, with Nick Bosa. Uh, number three pick, New York Jets. And I want to, again, say I'm not doing any trades besides the Rosen trade because if I do one trade, then I'm going to try to do 15 trades and I'm going to be all over the place trying to predict trades and do this and do that. So I'm standing pat with the picks as they are. Um... But I think this is definitely a spot where we could see some fireworks uh, on, the, uh, on draft night. I'm not going to acknowledge that there could be some fireworks at number one because there definitely could be, but I'm a Kyler guy, so I'm sticking with Kyler. But with three here with the Jets, the Jets have been outspoken about how they want to trade back. Um, again, to reiterate, not trading uh, any, any more than the Rosen pick in this draft. And I'm sticking with, with uh, Quinn and Williams here. It came down to Josh Allen, Edge from Kentucky, or Quentin Williams, uh, interior D lineman from Alabama. And I went with Quentin Williams, even though Edge may be a bigger need for the Jets. Bringing Quentin Williams in on that defensive line and pairing him with Leonard Williams on that defense, I mean, that's a, that's a front four to really, uh, to really worry about, a front two specifically, the Williams brothers, let's call them. Um, that's definitely something that could get the New York Jets fans excited. And with the direction that this, this franchise is going, with the amount of money you've spent in this offseason, man, this is a team that really should be, uh, with the way that division shaping up, hoping for playoffs, uh, being led by Sam Darnold this year. And I think Quinton Williams is, I think he's 21 years old. Uh, and boy, a lot of people value him as the number one prospect in this draft. So I think you're getting, you're, if I were the Jets, I really wouldn't even try to trade this pick unless you had an overwhelmingly good offer, someone trying to trade up for a quarterback. Um, number four pick, I'm calling him the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm done calling him Oakland. I'm getting ready to call, start calling him the Vegas Raiders. The way the board has fallen, um, there's a lot of talk about the Raiders wanting a quarterback, and, and I'm not going to pretend, again, not going to pretend to be uh, John Gruden to know what he's thinking. I would not even consider taking a quarterback in this position, especially with Derek Carr on the roster, especially with the relationship Derek Carr and Ant Antonio Brown seem to be forming uh, in, in the Bay Area right now. I just, I just think you don't want to play with the emotions too much and I believe in Derek Carr. I think he's still young. Um, you may be paying him a lot for how he's done since you paid him. But really, the team hasn't been great. And I think Carr is definitely a quarterback that can win in the NFL. So I'm taking Josh Allen. You need an edge rusher. You need Since you, since you uh, traded Khalil Mack to the Bears, you really haven't had that pass rushing presence. And I'm not saying that Josh Allen is going to be Khalil Mack. I don't think he will be. But I think he can be something like that. I think he can be explosive. He can be dominant. He improved a lot in college from last year to this year. And he would have been a top 15, top 20 pick in last year's draft. So you're getting a guy who's polished and I think is a franchise player. Um, definitely consider Devin White in this position. Um, but with the money that Oakland spent on Brandon Marshall and Vontaze Burfecht, I don't think those guys are necessarily the future of the team at linebacker. But when you got an edge rusher like Josh Allen and that big of a hole there, 
I take Josh Allen here, bring that pass, ru uh, pass rushing presence back. And moving on to five, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We heard Connor Ryan in the four-way mock take uh, Dwayne Haskins in the spot because he was available. And um, I couldn't disagree with that pick more. I, I still believe in Jameis. And I think that the whole, you know, the, the brass in Tampa Bay has proven that they believe in Jameis by now giving him another chance by bringing in Bruce Arians. And then, boy, what this team's doing, uh, I think I've said it a few times on prior podcasts, it really excites me. I like Bruce Arians a lot. I love uh, Todd Bowles as a defensive mind. And on that note, Devin White, linebacker out of LSU. Absolute game wrecker. You lost Quan Alexander this year in the free agency to the 49ers. And I think you just bring in a guy who's SEC bred, can do it all, and is going to be a leader in your locker room from the middle linebacker position and going to be a guy that Todd Bowles can do a lot with on the defensive side of the ball. And this was an interesting pick because you could bring in an offensive lineman to try to protect Jameis because your, your line is not great. But I just think you can get the most upside out of picking Devin White with the fifth pick here, plugging him in at linebacker and letting him and uh, – Levante David, the other linebacker there, go to work and be one of the best linebacking tandems in the NFL under Todd Bowles. I think a lot of the schemes Bowles could throw at uh, opposing offenses could really uh, give them fits with these two guys at linebacker. And that rounds out the top five there. Pretty basic. Murray, Bosa, Williams, Allen White. Um, nothing crazy. Uh, the draft gets a little crazier as time goes on here, guys. Don't worry. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to zip through this thing. But um, pretty basic. I, I see the top five rounding out this way, barring any crazy trades, maybe someone moving up to three with the Jets. But even if a team moves up, unless some teams are going quarterback crazy, I really see the, the, the top five rounding out this way uh, with these five guys. Maybe Ed Oliver sneaking in there, but um, this, is a, this is the most realistic top five in my opinion, and this is what I would do, obviously, in the top five. So moving on to six, New York Giants. Uh, a lot of turmoil over this pick. Um, either you think the Giants should draft a quarterback at six or you don't. And I guess I'm somewhere in between because I don't think it'd be a bad move to pick a quarterback who you believe in that you think could be the future of your team that could even maybe sit behind Eli for a year. But boy, there are a lot of holes on this team. And there's a guy named Ed Oliver on the board that I happen to like a lot. And that happens to be a, a, a need for the New York Giants as a defensive line presence there. Um, after losing Snacks and Olivier Vernon last year. You bring in Ed Oliver. This is a guy who may be a little undersized, played zero technique in college, but just watching the tape, the guy's explosive. He was almost a one-man army on the defensive line for Houston in college, and I just think his NFL career is going to be a lot better than his college career, which is saying a good amount. So I think Ed Oliver is almost even a steal at six for the New York Giants, and I think that you let Eli live to see another day here. A lot of the brass has made it clear that Eli is going to be the start of this upcoming season. And as much as I love Will Greer, my number two quarterback, I wouldn't consider Haskins here. I don't think Haskins would be worth this pick. Will Greer would be the guy that I would consider at six here. And I just think that might be a little rich. You really got to identify with Will Greer as your dude if you want to take him at six. And I think that just might be a little rich with the talent on the board. And I'd be okay with maybe coming out of the first round not having a quarterback if I were the Giants. Just considering that, you know, Eli, Eli's looking good in the offseason. And, you know, I'm not falling for it. I'm not, you know, going to be singing praises about how the Giants are going to be winning a ton of games this year. But I just, I understand the trepidation to reach, maybe, for Haskins. Because if he's not making the same impact on you that a Darnold or a Baker or even maybe a Rosen was last year, then you just don't take the guy. You don't reach for a quarterback just because your fans think you need one and everyone in the world thinks you need one. I just against that philosophy, you stick 
to the big board, you stick to the uh, the value, and if if your guy if you don't have a specific guy, then you take uh, not necessarily the best available player, but but you know somewhere in between the best available and, and someone that fits your need. And I think Ed Oliver is the perfect match for that. So I'm taking Ed Oliver here with the sixth pick for the New York Giants. Moving to seven. Jacksonville Jaguars, um, if you listen to the four-way mock that we released uh, earlier today, TJ Hawkinson's the pick here, and I got the same explanation. I think TJ, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are the only team, really, that could get away with picking TJ Hawkinson in the top 15. Uh, as talented as I do think Hawkinson is, I don't think that he is a top 10 talent, and I just don't think that there's enough really value to be had at tight end um, to be picked in the top 10, but Jacksonville has a gaping hole at tight end, and Hawkinson's a guy who, although I had a, I did not believe him early in the draft process, did not believe in him as much as I do now, he can block and he can catch and he can make an impact and he's a pro's pro. He's a, he's a, he's a football player and going to be a great target for Foles, I think, moving forward. Foles likes his tight ends and a guy who can help out in the, in the run game blocking as well. So I think you're kind of getting the best of both worlds here with TJ Hawkinson with the seventh pick. Maybe a little rich, but a lot of scouts love this guy. I'm not as high on him, but I still think he's good enough for the pick at seven here for Jacksonville specifically. Maybe you uh, bolster that O-line for Foles a little bit later in the draft. But no O-lineman off the board yet, seven in. And we're, we're now at eight. The Detroit Lions, another team that have talked about trading back and boy, this is uh, def this was definitely the toughest pick uh, up to this point. Uh, I took a little bit of time on this, had to look over the uh, depth chart a few times. And I've been very high on Devin Bush in this spot for the Detroit Lions for a very long time. And I don't want to make it seem like I'm going back on what I've said, but the Detroit Lions drafted Gerard Davis uh, two years ago. And he hasn't really been a world eater or a world beater at middle linebacker. And, you know, he, he gets caught with his pants down a good amount. Not a very sure tackler. When he makes contact, he can be great. And he's shown flashes of being a good player, but not really what you know, you're know you looking for in a first-round talent at linebacker, even if it was a pick in the 20s. So you know, Devin Bush is a guy you could bring in to replace him, and that was kind of the, the tempo that I was going at throughout draft season was I think Bush is the pick at eight. It may be a little bit of an overpick, but Bush is a guy who, if you've heard uh, prior podcasts, I think is a great leader. I think him and Devin White is basically one in 1A. One um, and I, I would have a very, very hard time seeing Devin Bush sneak out of the top 10, especially with the drop-off after the top two linebackers. I don't think Mac Wilson um, really would even be considered in the top 20. So uh, the Lions, I think, would definitely deserve uh, – Devin Bush deserves a long, hard look at that eighth pick. But, boy, I'm throwing a curveball here. And I, I ultimately went with Christian Wilkins. I, I, I just think Christian Wilkins, coming out of Clemson – a leader, a man-eater, played in big games, played on a great defense, coachable, and just a guy who I think is a career player in terms of the way the Lions draft him, and he's still going to be on the team in eight years, and he's going to be a fan favorite, and just plays with a lot of heart, physical guy, winner, um, and let Gerard Davis control that linebacker position for another year. Give him another shot. He was your first-round pick two years ago. I know I'm, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate to myself a little bit, but welcome to draft week. Welcome to draft season. And I just think Christian Wilkins is the guy here. Uh, don't overthink it. Bring the leader in. You need a presence on that D-line. I know you you spent money on it, but just being able to have a rotation with Ashawn and Flowers and Wilkins and uh, Snacks, Patricia could do a lot more with that defensive line rotation, and we, we, we let Gerard Davis live to see another day, even with the shoddy linebacker play surrounding 
him. Um, I think Wilkins is the pick here at eight. Yeah, maybe a little overdraft, but like I said, I think the value is better on Wilkins than most people do. So I would be very comfortable with the pick here at eight. And then moving forward to nine, uh, the Buffalo Bills, a team that spent a lot of money on the offensive line this offseason. And I, quite frankly, I like what the Bills are doing a little bit here. I like that they're spending money on the O-line. And Josh Allen looked a little bit better than I expected. And McDermott's a grinded-out defensive coach. They brought in Tremaine Edmonds, who was 19 when they drafted him last year. And he's looking like a guy who's got a lot of potential. Which brings me to my next point. Tremaine Edmonds is playing middle linebacker. And that's a very versatile guy to be playing middle linebacker and a young guy to be playing middle linebacker. And not a guy who I think strikes me as, it's not that he's not a leader, but not a guy who strikes me as someone who's going to be wearing the C on their chest anytime soon. And that's why, as much as it pains me, the pick right after the Detroit Lions, the Buffalo Bills, bring in Devin Bush Jr., linebacker from Michigan, the guy I was just talking about. The absolute man-eater who I said I, I couldn't see sneaking out of the top 10. Well, there he is at nine for Buffalo. Swing Tremaine Edmonds out to outside backer, which is what he played in college, and I'm pretty sure what he's more comfortable playing with. And plug Devin Bush in at middle linebacker on the middle of that Buffalo defense, and you're bringing in some, some guys who are just hungry. You got Devin Bush, Tremaine Edmonds, Jordan Poyer, a guy I like a lot. You spent money on that O-line. You're ready to run the football. I think that drafting any receiver here would be a little bit rich. Just considering the position Buffalo's in right now and the way the board is. And I think Devin Bush is kind of a can't-miss prospect. And boy, would he identify with those Buffalo fans and just Sean McDermott, the head coach there. I just think this would be a great pick with Christian Wilkins and Ed Oliver off the board for the Buffalo Bills. So a little bit of a surprise here because uh, Tremaine Edmonds is the middle linebacker now. But I think he's a way more natural outside backer. And, and I think Bush leading that defense and calling the plays from the middle uh, the middle of that defense would, would really revitalize that this Buffalo team and could push them into playoff contention within the next three to five years, um, which is exciting for Buffalo fans, or should be at least, uh, if you're in it for the long haul. <clears throat> Rounding out the top ten, the Denver Broncos. Um, no O-linemen have been taken. Vic Fangio is the new coach for the uh, Denver Broncos. The O-line's all right. It's all right. It's not bad. There's not a huge gaping hole, but I definitely considered O-line here, considering that all the O-linemen are on the board. So you know there's got to be a run soon. A lot of people are talking Devin Bush at this pick. Well, he just got taken. He's not available. I know you need a, a middle backer to quarterback that defense, but with Devin White and Devin Bush off the board, you kind of got screwed a little bit here for if you're Denver. And... That's why I'm going to announce the biggest reach, I think. I think this is going to be, not in my opinion, again, because this is my draft, and I'm, I'm John Elway right now, but objectively, looking at this draft, I think this would be the biggest reach of the first round. And it's an exciting pick for me to say, because this is a guy that I love. I absolutely love, and I think Denver needs this guy more than they may think they need him. And that's Marquise Hollywood Brown, receiver from Oklahoma, uh, if, if Klepp and Tommy were sitting next to me, you'd hear a lot of, whoa, Lee, what are you thinking? He's got a little bit of an injury history. He's a little bit light. Uh, I don't know if, you know, and even someone like me, I'm very against taking receivers before the 20th or even 25th pick in the draft, in the first round of the NFL draft. Marquise Brown is my favorite receiver that I've watched in as long as I can remember, quite honestly. I think he's explosive. I think he has all the traits of a superstar NFL receiver. 
And the foot injury kind of concerns me, but he played a whole heck of a lot of games at Oklahoma, and he was impactful in, in almost every game he played. And with Emmanuel Sanders aging the way he's aging and deteriorating a little bit, you brought in Cortland Sutton last year, who made a lot of plays for you. He's an outside guy. I wouldn't reach for a quarterback at this point. And I just think Marquise Brown is the pick in terms of a guy who can take an underneath route, an underneath seven-yard pass for a touchdown, a guy who's just so explosive and can bring a dynamic to your offense that could really help you in Denver, kind of like an Emmanuel Sanders, I think with a higher ceiling and a lot younger. And you can get him on a rookie deal. And just a dude who I think has superstar potential at the receiver position, unlike any other receiver in this draft, including DK Metcalf. Um, I think Marquise Brown's got a lot more superstar potential, to be quite honest, because he's just all around more dynamic. And I think this is the pick here for Denver. I think they surprised some of their fan base and maybe hear some boos, but Marquise Hollywood Brown is the guy. You live to see another day with Flacco at quarterback. You don't reach for a guy like Drew Locke, who I wouldn't even have on my board if I were the Denver Broncos. And you take the receiver. You take the talent position, and uh, you know maybe you get laughed at on draft night, but you're doing the laughing later when Marquise Brown is uh, one of the considered an elite receiver and one of the better receivers in the league. So I think Hollywood Brown is the pick here to excite, bring bring some excitement to those Denver fans and give Joe Flacco uh, another target with uh, Emmanuel Sanders injured and Sutton Young without a lot of help. So that's the top ten right there. Exciting top ten in my opinion. I, I was excited to see my own top ten after I drafted it. I said I like that. I like that top ten. Maybe Marquise Brown adds a little bit of flair to that to the end of that top 10. And we and, and no linemen picked in the in the top 10, which is a little bit a little bit surprising. Not super surprising. There's no linemen that are that got my jaw on the floor watching them, but uh, but a little interesting that no linemen were taken considering the value. Um, which leads me into pick 11, which is the Cincinnati Bengals, a uh, team that could almost draft any position and they'd be uh, they'd be okay with it because they can they can improve almost anywhere. Awful, awful, awful pass defense last year. Awful pass defense. Dalton had a bad year at quarterback. They finally fired Marvin Lewis. And I'll start this off by saying it's time to change the uniforms, man. Change the helmets. Change the uniforms. Get a new, sleeker look that's less clunky and less Bengalsy with the shoulder stripes and the in the ugly helmets. It's it's over, man. Just get a new design. Get a new logo. The B. It's all old. It's all plain. It's kind of like. I'm a Pistons fan, and it's like, you know, I, I agree with, the, with the, the Pistons look. It's old. It's, 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 I'm tired of it. We need a new look. It's not the most important thing, but, you know, when you're bringing in the Bengal on draft night and he's holding up the jersey, you don't want him holding up that ugly jersey anymore. And I would almost be an advocate if you're, if you're lazy about it, make the color rushes your friggin' primaries if you're that lazy about it because they're way cooler than your, your uh, current uniforms, Cincinnati fans. So Bengals, changing uniforms. And, and after you're done changing the uniforms – you bring in Jonah Williams, in my opinion, the best offensive lineman in the draft. You got an awful offensive line. You got a bottom five offensive line in the league, and there's no talent left at linebacker uh, worth the value at 11, in my opinion. So you close your eyes and you take the best lineman, and that's Jonah Williams, a guy who can play on at tackle or at guard. Williams is a versatile offensive lineman who I think has great projectability to play a long career in the league, and I think that's exactly what uh, what the Bengals are looking for at 11, after they change their uniforms, of course. Not finding Andy Dalton's replacement at eleven, by the way. I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's happening. Another uh, place where I kind of considered Will Greer, but again, I don't think Cincinnati really has the luxury uh, unless they're in love with Will Greer of taking him at eleven. Um, Haskins, another guy. I, I think Greer is better. So if you guys 
for you Haskins believers out there, just uh, plug in the name Haskins when I'm saying Greer because Greer is my number two guy. Haskins happens to be the public's number two guy. So uh, moving forward, the Green Bay Packers, 12th pick in the draft. Had Marquise Hollywood Brown slotted in here for a long, long time until Denver took him in this newest draft. And with Marquise Hollywood Brown off the board, it's time to bolster that O-line. It's time to give Aaron Rodgers a little bit more time and a little bit more comfortability. Balaga's get Brian Balaga's getting old. You're gonna you don't want to pay him that money after his contract year. Cody Ford, offensive tackle slash guard, Oklahoma. Obviously, I think Jonah Williams is better because I drafted him before Cody Ford. But Cody Ford's my favorite lineman in this year's uh, in this year's draft. Cody Ford's a guy who can play guard, can play tackle, physical, can grow into his body a little bit, and I think has a lot of room for improvement in terms of just polishing his game in a good way. I, I th- in, in terms of I think he's on an upward trajectory uh, as a football player, and I think he's only going to get better. And I think they can move him around from guard to tackle, and it's it's perfect. It's a perfect fit for for Green Bay. Ford's a guy that I've loved throughout the draft draft process. Loved him at Oklahoma. So being able to put a big hog molly like that in front of Aaron Rodgers will help uh, will help the uh, that that stud sleep at sleep. Jesus, will help that stud Rodgers sleep at night. So Cody Ford is the pick there. I think for Green Bay at twelve uh, after spending all that money on the D line this offseason. 13, uh, Miami Dolphins, uh, another spot where you kind of could draft almost anywhere and your team is, uh, you know, your fans should be satisfied because you got a lot of holes. But I don't think there's a bigger need in the NFL than there is for an edge rusher in Miami. Uh, Charles Harris is the best edge rusher on the team, and I don't even think he really got too many snaps last year, and he didn't play very well in the snaps that he did get. That's a DN out of Mizzou that they drafted, I think, two years ago. Um you could use help on the line. Again, not a huge fan of any of the quarterbacks enough to where I think Miami should take one of them. Also, because I don't think their team is good enough to be taking a quarterback with the 13th pick because I genuinely believe they're going to be drafting in the top five next year. Uh, and there's going to be some quarterbacks in next year's draft. Not that you should rely on that, but I just don't think this is a spot where you got to take a quarterback, especially with a gaping hole at edge. Brian Burns... I'm not in love with the guy, but he's got high upside. He may be a little bit skinny for to, to be playing edge, and, and you may see him get overpowered early in his career. But they brought in the defensive uh, mind, Brian Flores from New England. They're trying to do the New England thing a little bit. I think Flores could do a lot with Burns. And just with the potential uh, with Burns here at 13, uh, I, I think it's a little too a little too good to pass up with the, with the uh, you know teamed with the need here in Miami. So you take Brian Burns. It's not a it's not a great pick. I don't think I don't think it's a guy who's going to come in and start balling out from snap one in Miami. But I think it's a guy who maybe we can be talking about as a you know double digit sack guy in a couple of years. Um, I, I do think he has that potential. Um, so I think that's the pick there for thirteen uh, for the Miami Dolphins. Moving to 14, Atlanta, the Falcons. Um, I was excited to announce this pick because it's a pick that I don't think a lot of people have, the Falcons, uh, considering the, a lot of people are saying, oh, address the address the D-line. Address the interior D-line. Address the edge. You know, maybe get a corner. You let some corners walk this offseason. Maybe draft a corner. And I'm saying, I'm sitting here saying, Matt Ryan got sacked, I think, two times 
as many times last year than he did two years ago. You might want to fact check me on that. I want to say it was somewhere in the ballpark of 42 times sacked last year, and it was 24 to 28 the year before. This O-line is not very good. This team won, what was it, six or seven games last year. And Matt Ryan didn't have enough time to throw the ball to what is probably the best uh, you know, three-receiver tandem in the league. You got a defensive-minded head coach. Your defense is okay. It's not bad. You got, you got pieces on the defense, and you can address the defense in later rounds. Jawan Taylor's on the board. Jawan Taylor, offensive tackle from Florida. You can play him at guard. I like him better at tackle, but you can play him at guard. And you need to keep Matt Ryan clean. The guy can't really move too well. I mean, you guys know that. And if you're getting sacked over 40 times, the success rate's not going to be high in Atlanta. So you bring in the best offensive lineman available, in my opinion. And that's Juwan Taylor from Florida. A lot of people have this guy going top 10. A lot of people have him going 7 to Jacksonville. I think that might be a little rich. I got him ranked as my third lineman, and I think this is a great fit. I think he, he's a, you plug him in on a team that's already good, and this just makes him that much more of a playoff contender, and it keeps Ryan, uh, like I said about Aaron Rodgers, helps him sleep a little bit better at night, knowing that he's got that big hog molly in front of him uh, trying to keep him safe. So 14th pick, Atlanta takes Juwan Taylor out of Florida. 15, I hope my pace is good for you listeners out there. I'm, I'm, just, I'm swimming through this thing, so I hope I'm not... Uh, not too choppy for everyone out there. This is my first time going solo. Going solo. Free solo, baby. Alex Honnold. I'm, uh, I'm climbing the mountain right now. I, I woke up early. I got my coffee. I didn't tell my girlfriend. You know? I'm making free solo analogies here, folks. 15 picks in. I'm making free solo analogies. Christ. All right. The skins. Josh Rosen, you just acquired him. You, you traded your 46 pick for Josh Rosen. You got that guy coming into your building, and you got to protect him because your offensive line is not great. It's really not great, especially on the inside. And with the slew of offensive linemen, like I, I warned you guys, after the top 10 when there were no linemen, look what we've had in the last five picks. Jonah Williams, Cody Ford, Brian Burns, Juwan Taylor, Garrett Bradbury. You guys didn't notice, four of those guys are linemen, and I just spoiled the pick for you. Garrett Bradbury, I just said it. 15th pick for the Washington Redskins. A guy who climbed up the boards at the Combine, can play center, can play guard. I think he's a little more comfortable at center, and I think that's perfect for the Washington Redskins, considering Chase Roulier is their center right now. Guy I do not believe in. Has not had a great career. Not someone you really want snapping the ball, especially to a guy like Josh Rosen who, you know, had folks uh, taking the taking the grass out of his helmet and, and and you know pulling the jersey over his shoulder pad a little too often last year in Arizona. So you bring in Garrett Bradbury, a reliable center with good feet, familiar with the position, and you got Rosen and Bradbury coming in. You traded your second round pick. Those are your first two round picks. I'm happy if I'm a Skins fan and you're bringing in with your first and second round pick Garrett Bradbury and Josh Rosen. That's a steal, I think. And I'm not even a huge Rosen guy. But I still think Rosen is, you know, it's, you're talking about a 23-year-old guy who was being considered as a top 10 pick last year in one of the better quarterback classes we've seen in the past 15 years. So I think that's an absolute snag. Um, Bradbury, 15th pick. That's the last five picks after the top 10. Four of them have been linemen. So you take Garrett Bradbury out of NC State. Moving forward, pick number 16, Montez Sweat, Mississippi State, Carolina Panthers. I just dove right into that one. You need a little bit of help on the offensive line. Cam Newton could use the, that better sleep that I've been talking about with Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers. He could use a little bit of that. 
especially after the shoulder surgery. But you got no one who can get to the quarterback. Julius Peppers retired, and you tried to salvage that by signing a, I'm going to ballpark it, maybe a 33, 32-year-old Bruce Irvin who, who has seen better days. Not Nothing against Irvin. I think this is Irvin is part of the reason why I got Montez Sweat going to the Car, uh, Carolina Panthers. Because I Montez Sweat, there are edge rushers in this draft that I like better than, than Montez Sweat that are still available. But I picked Montez Sweat with this 16th pick in Carolina because I think potential-wise, and I don't like the heart condition, and I hate saying that because, you know, you can't control it, and that sucks, and I hope he's okay. I hope he's got a great NFL career ahead of him. But, boy, with the potential that this guy has, and, 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 and to learn under a guy like Bruce Irvin, who's a little unorthodox and, is, and, and has seen, you know, some time in the league, I think that the ceiling's high for Montez Sweat, and I think that this is the pick to make with the most value here for the Carolina Panthers. You need an edge rusher. You need a presence on that defense. Your offense, it worked last year when Cam Newton was working. you got to make sure that guy's working and the offense will work. You can address the offensive line a little bit later. I know you'd probably – I considered a Chris, a Chris Lindstrom. I considered an Andre Dillard. I'll be honest with you guys. I considered the line. But at the end of the day, Montez Sweat's a guy who's getting mocked in the top ten in some. I think this is a little bit rich for him. Like I said, I don't, I'm not very high on the guy. But just with the ceiling he has and, and with the athleticism he has, I think he can be a game wrecker. And I think Carolina is a good spot for him. So that's enough of that. 17, New York Giants. And I'm going to do it. I'm doing it, guys. They took out Oliver with the, the sixth pick. And I'm finally going to break this thing wide open. Will Greer, he's still on the board. And I'm comfortable taking him here. I'm comfortable taking him. And, you, and, and yeah, I deserve a little scrutiny maybe. Well, if you take a guy at 17 – why don't you take him at six? And if I'm the and if I'm Dave Gettleman, it's more of wow, I'm looking at my board. And you know, Montez Sweat rolls off the board at 16. And I'm looking at my team right now and I'm saying, Well, Will Greer's available, man. And that's my number two quarterback. And that's a guy that I was kind of considering at six, but I didn't like the value on him. And now I'm starting to talk myself into Will Greer a little bit. And I'm thinking, wow, we can get this guy in. He's a gamer, he competes. Uh, you know, most folks who listen to this podcast or, you know, read the articles, they know I'm a Greer guy. He, and, and I think that this is the pick, man. I think he's a better quarterback than Haskins. I think he can sit a year behind, behind Eli and there won't be too much scrutiny there. Um, and I think the Giants, with the way things are shaping up, I think this is definitely the best pick that they should make. Uh, and I think Will Greer is a guy who can grow to be a franchise quarterback for them. I like the fit. Just the way the board falls, man. I, I, Yeah, there, there could be a trade-up. There could be this, that, this, that. I know there's going to be more quarterbacks taken, but only God can judge me. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be anyone I'm not. I'm not trying to – because as I've said in my articles, I'd take Drew Locke off the friggin' board if I were a GM because that guy, I, you know, this isn't – I don't want to turn this into a Drew Locke hater sesh, but I can't take that guy in the first round. I can't take a Daniel Jones in the first round. Will Greer is a guy I could take in the first round especially if he's available at pick 17 for the New York Giants. And I think the New York Giants get out like like gangbusters, taking Ed Oliver and Will Greer with their two first-round picks, bringing those guys back to the Meadowlands um, to, to show the fans there uh, in, in New York. I think I think that's a that's a great move. I, I did look at the board. I did like some of the linemen I saw, but I just think the value is too high on Will Greer. Um, someone, I like I said, I considered at six. So... Greer goes off the board at 17 to the New York Giants, and we get an unorthodox uh, quarterback mid-round or yeah, mid-first round quarterback pick. 18, 18, Minnesota Vikings. 
Will Greer just off the board. Everyone's, everyone's going crazy. Whoa, what just happened? It's not that crazy. Because the Minnesota Vikings, they need no lineman. They need one badly. That's all they need. They, they, Kirk Cousins, Captain Kirk, I don't want to be an apologist because I've been a Kirk apologist before. But the guy, I mean, how can you judge that guy too hard when, he, when, he's, got, uh, when he's got the rush coming at him like that? You know? I just think that he was, on, he was under too much pressure last year. Just too much pressure, um, literally and uh, figuratively. And I think that to take some of that pressure off, you bring in a strong, projectable interior lineman from Boston College, Chris Lindstrom, a guy I don't think is turning any heads like Quentin Nelson was, you know, teabagging defensive players and, and, and kicking ass. But just a stand-up dude who's going to be solid. He's strong. He's seasoned. And I, I this is a guy I really like a lot because I just think he's an NFL guard. I just think I just see him as an NFL guard, a guy who's going to transition well, and I think a great fit in Minnesota um, to help the interior of that O-line. So you, you pick that best lineman available, and I think that's Chris Lindstrom here. Lindstrom, I'm saying Lindstrom because Nick Lindstrom, Nicholas Lindstrom, uh, Hall of Fame uh, defenseman for the Detroit Red Wings. Chris Lindstrom. Interior lineman from Boston College is the pick there for Minnesota, and I'm running up to the podium if I'm the Vikings with him available. Uh, Tennessee Titans, 19. A lot, a lot you could do here. A lot you could do here. Um, I don't love Mariota, but I don't love any quarterback that's available right now. And Mike Vrabel needs to help that defense get an identity. That's what they brought him in to do. They brought him in to be the head coach, but he's a defensive guy, and that defense does not yet have the identity that they should have under Vrabel. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, this is no uh, gash into Vrabel. I give the guy time. You got to give the guy time. He's only had a year. But I think the first step in identifying that defense is giving Jarrell Casey a little bit of help up, up front, and I'm drafting a guy I like a lot, Jerry Tillery. And, uh, D-tackle, interior defensive lineman, Notre Dame. Um, Connor Ryan likes this guy a lot. Notre Dame guy. Uh, smart kid, apparently. I didn't know that. Connor was telling me he's a rocket scientist or something like that. Some some smart, some type of smarts that, you know, us normals don't have. But he's, he's strong. He's physical. He, you know, sometimes takes himself out of plays, but I think Vrabel can coach this guy up and he can just be a stud for Tennessee. And I think they need a lot of help inside on that D-line. And this is the guy that, you know, can do it for him. He can supply that help for them. So, you know, you're not hitting a grand slam picking Jerry Tillery with the 19th pick, but I think it's a, it's a value pick and you're getting what you need and you're getting it at a reasonable price. So Jerry Tillery... Notre Dame, bring him in. Let him identify with Vrabel. Bring that defense into, into, into Tennessee. 20 pick. Look where, we're, look where we're at. We're already at pick number 20 here. Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot has happened this offseason for the Steelers. And there's a lot of moves they could make. Um, but I think this pick is a little... I think this is an easy pick. And, I, and I, I wouldn't reach for DK here. I don't think that this is... I, I like the idea of drafting a receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I don't think you need to force it in round one. And I, boy, with the, with the way this team is drafted in a couple years past, I just think that you really can't miss on this pick. If you miss on this pick, you are uh, 
not eternally doomed. You can make up for it in later rounds, but boy, that would really be demoralizing if you brought in a guy and he really didn't uh, didn't produce year one. Kind of like um, Terrell Edmonds last year, you know, uh, a guy that that some people are already you know not sold on, who's only played a year in the league. So with the twentieth pick, you give that guy a little bit of help, and Joe Hayden's getting way up there in age at cornerback. Greedy Williams, in my opinion, the most talented corner in this draft. You got no corners off the off the board, 20 picks in. A guy who's not a great tackler. And, you know, I'll even say it. Doesn't play with a ton of heart, honestly. Doesn't finish a lot of plays. Uh, not uber physical. Not really looking for that, that gritty play. But, boy, can he make plays on the ball defensively. And, boy, can he be an absolute nuisance in pass coverage. And I think that's exactly what the doctor ordered for the Steelers. I think he's going to get his hands on a lot of balls. And I think... He might even be a turnover machine, just a guy who can rover back there. you got enough physicality on that defense to make up for Greedy Williams' occasional missed tackle. I don't think he's going to be a guy who's out there whiffing every single play. Just because there's a lot of film of him you know, missing tackles doesn't mean that he's going to be an absolute bona fide liability in the, in the run game. And I really don't think you need a corner who's going to come up and bang. That's why Greedy's a guy that the Steelers can kind of take here to rover and make plays on that defense to uh, – to try to try to force turnovers. I think that's what the Steelers, Steelers need. So greedy available at 20, take that guy. 21, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, team that just traded Frank Clark and now has two picks, um, 21 and 29 in the first round. So setting them setting themselves up a little bit here for future future success, in my opinion, by addressing their organizational hubris and drafting an offensive lineman. Because although they may not think they need an offensive lineman, they need an offensive lineman. And who better to draft than Andre Dillard, offensive tackle out of Washington State. This guy's still on the board. A lot of people have this guy as their number one tackle, honestly. Um, great pass protector. Uh, they, th- they threw that ball a lot at Washington State, and he's real close to Seattle up there in the Pacific Northwest, so he, he won't have to pack his bags and move too far to play for the Seahawks. But, again, just what the doctor ordered for the Seahawks. You, a big franchise left tackle who, yeah, he may be a little bit soft in the run game, but – He's going to keep Russell Wilson's blind side safe, and he's, he's going to be a good Seahawk, I think. It's a big guy, and you're getting value at tackle with the 21st pick. I think this is another one where I'm running up to the podium to bring this guy into my team, and I think he really can be a franchise left tackle. And boy, who knows what the Seahawks can do if they have a franchise left tackle. When's the last time they had a really an offensive line that wasn't an absolute sieve? Um, because their offensive line is a sieve. And Russell Wilson has made them look good by being a magician and running around and dotting the friggin' field, dotting up the field with his insane accuracy. But um, Dillard's the guy to to really bring that to the next level. Twenty-two Baltimore Ravens. Um, man, this is a this is a tough pick because I don't know what the Ravens' identity is. Are they going to run the triple option next year? Are they going to hand the ball off to Mark Ingram 25 times a game and have Lamar Jackson run the ball 12 to 15 times a game? How many times is Lamar Jackson going to throw? Can Lamar Jackson throw? Can Lamar Jackson spread the field? Can he be accurate? I have a lot of questions about this Baltimore team. And I think it may be a little unfair to be uh, to pick a side here, but I think this is a team I'm selling on right now. I just don't know what the culture is in Baltimore. And I'm kind of going to close my eyes to all that and pick DK Metcalf, receiver out of Ole Miss, a guy who 
Some people were talking about, you know, being a top five, top 10 pick really early in the draft process. The next Julio, the next this, the next that. I heard it all. And I've never been a huge DK Metcalf guy because there are more red flags than people uh, like to believe. You know, with the low body fat and the looking like Thor and the um, injury history and the low production at Ole Miss. Uh, I don't know. This does, this pick smells fishy. It does smell fishy, but... Your best receiver on your roster in Baltimore is Willie Sneed. And after that, I think it's Jordan Lasley from UCLA, a guy I don't even know who's drafted. So you got to give someone, you got to give uh, Lamar someone to throw the ball to besides those big tight ends that you love to draft in Baltimore. Um, I think the line's good enough. I think the defense is solid. You can yeah, you could use pieces on the defense after losing linebackers, but the biggest hole on your team is receiver. And DK Metcalf is a prospect that, is being regarded in some circles as the next Julio Jones. So I think you kind of just got to bite the bullet and make this pick. And I say bite the bullet because I think it's a little high for DK. I really do. I don't know if I believe in DK this much. But just with the with what could be, I think you kind of got to make the pick here uh, with the way the board has fallen. So DK Metcalf finally gets selected, pick number 22, uh, to the Baltimore Ravens. Try to help Lamar out because he could use it. 23, Houston Texans, uh, another team even worse than Seattle in terms of that offensive line, and they didn't do anything to address it in free agency, which I always love. It's like, what are you guys thinking? Now you're just setting yourselves up so you have to draft linemen in the draft as opposed to bringing in a guy. Uh, Roger Saffold was a name that he got signed by Tennessee, uh, former Ram, a guard. Just bring that guy in. Overpay him. I don't care. Give yourself. It's. I don't. I hate. I hate it because I love Deshaun Watson and he has been injured on and off. I mean, he freaking tore his ACL two years ago and he had a punctured lung last year that he played through. And it's like, are you guys not understanding that you're shortening the career of your superstar quarterback by ignoring your offensive line? And it, it just really grinds my gears. And this is a freaking no-brainer pick to me at 23. Dalton Risner. Offensive tackle guard from Kansas State. A little bit older. I think he's 24, maybe 25. He's a grizzled dude, but just a gamer, just a physical guy. Big. Going to hurt people. And a team player. And a guy who's going to keep Deshaun Watson safe. Enough said. That's all you need. You don't have the the luxury of looking at any other friggin' position. You look at that line, and I'm going to look at it again in the second round. That's a little forewarning. 24, Oakland Raiders. You got Josh Allen with your fourth pick. Vegas, Vegas Raiders, excuse me. You got Josh Allen with your fourth pick. You need a corner. Garyon Conley doesn't have any help at corner, and your pass defense is not great. Greedy's gone. Byron Murphy, cornerback, Washington. I know he's a Pac-12 guy. I know some people may think he's a little bit too soft, just a little bit too soft, a little bit too slow. Tommy, my brother, loves a guy. I'm somewhere in between. I like him. I think he's worth the pick at 24. I think he very well could be the number one corner. I really do. I, I, him and Greedy, it's almost a toss-up. For for Greedy's, uh, for all Greedy's uh, red flags, there are red flags for Byron Murphy. And for all Greedy's red lights, there are gre- or, sorry, green lights, there are green lights for Byron Murphy. I think that these are kind of, they're not similar players, but in terms of output and production, they're similar players. And I think Byron Murphy is a guy you can bring in. He can be your number two corner and can kind of grow into that position in Vegas, I think it's I think it's kind of a steal there at 24. A lot of people like Byron Murphy a lot, so him sneaking down to 24, I think that's uh, that's a good pick. You're getting a junkyard dog there uh, there at cornerback. 25, Philadelphia Eagles. 
this was an interesting spot for me, man. This really was because all these team needs, they seemed to be obsolete after I looked at the depth chart and realized that the only middle linebacker on this team really is LJ Fort, a guy they signed from Pittsburgh and the Steelers. And I know you need a little bit of help on the offensive line. You could use a little bit of depth on the offensive line, but you got, you got a good starting offensive line. You know, and I know injuries happen, but right now your offensive line is looking pretty good. You can maybe address it a little bit later in the draft. You got good receivers. You signed Deshaun ja- or traded for Deshaun Jackson. You still got Aguilar and Alshon Jeffrey. You don't need to address the receivers. Obviously, you got Wentz. You you made a move for Jordan Howard. The offense is set. You got to make a move on the defense here. And like I said, your only middle backer is LJ Ford. Past that, you got Nigel Braddon playing weak side. Nathan Jerry, I like a lot. Not a starting middle linebacker. This was a tough pick to make a little bit, but at the end of the day, it shouldn't be. Mac Wilson, middle linebacker, Alabama. Uh, earlier in the draft process, this was kind of the third guy. We were talking Devin White, Devin Bush, Mac Wilson. Devin White, Devin Bush, Mac Wilson. And as time went on, it turned into Devin White, Devin Bush, Mac Wilson. You, you waited a little bit longer. That guy was a little bit later. And now it's almost turned into this guy's a bona fide day two guy. And I don't really see why. Um, I think Mac Wilson... What he lacks in football IQ, I guess I would say, because he gets he gets lost in the in the uh, in the detritus, I guess, or the paraphernalia, or whatever you want to say. He gets lost between the lines a lot and can play himself out of plays. But he makes a lot of plays on the defensive side of the ball, a lot of tip balls, a lot of interceptions, a lot of diving interceptions. He's a relatively sure tackler, and with LJ Fort being your starting middle linebacker, who better to draft than Mac Wilson, a guy who could play into the position? You draft him in Philly. He's already on a pretty good team. He's got that Bama pedigree. I just think this is a good fit, and it's a need, a need that, that Eagles fans are not really addressing right now. So Mac Wilson's the pick there out of Alabama. 26, Indianapolis Colts. Interesting spot, but relatively easy again. You need D-line help, um, whether it be on the edge, Jabal Shears getting a little old, or on the inside. You really don't have too many guys inside. And Dexter Lawrence, Clemson, IDL, interior guy. This dude is 345 pounds. You plug this guy in the middle, he's a game wrecker. I know he, had, he failed a drug test and couldn't play in the college football playoff, and his team won without him. I know, I'm aware of that. But boy, oh boy, is he something to watch, and is he a presence on the inside? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if someone reached and took him before this pick, but I think if he's available here for the Colts, you plug that guy right in the middle, and you need defensive help. So you bring in Dexter Lawrence. I think he's a polished interior guy that you won't have to coach up too much and can make an impact from day one on your team. And I think there's a lot of value to be had there at 26 with him. 27, Oakland Raiders. Uh, an argument I had with my brother yesterday about this very pick, Josh Jacobs, running back Alabama. Yeah, it may be a little high to take a running back. I understand that running back is the least valuable position in the NFL. Um, you can maybe draft a guy in the fourth round that could end up being your starter. Who knows? We've seen that happen in the past. We know how running back is working as this time goes on, but Joshua Jacobs is a bona fide number one running back. You're starting running back right now in Oakland. I mean, at I think it was news today that Marshawn Lynch retired. I kind of expected that. Is Isaiah Crowell. Isaiah Crowell is your starting running back, and that guy has not been a starting running back in the league or an effective one at that ever. And Joshua Jacobs is a guy you can bring in on a rookie deal who has less wear and tear and who is more explosive. 
So you take him. I, I don't think you wait and, and, and play games. I know you got an early pick in the second round, but there's a lot of picks in between then and in, in, uh, 27 in, the, in that pick in the second round. And you don't want to leave anything up to doubt. If Joshua Jacobs is the running back you want to be starting for your team next year, you take him. For the Vegas Raiders, excuse me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to get used to this. 28, LA Chargers. Interesting spot again, but I know you need immediate help. I know you need immediate help on the D-line. But with Jeffrey Simmons on the board, you got to take him. You just got to do it. I, I did it. I took Jeffrey Simmons. And this is a guy who I think is a top 10 to 12 talent. And you're going to redshirt him. He could be healthy by, 20, uh, by 2020. If you're making the playoffs, hey, he could be a playoff guy for you. He could come up and really make plays in the playoffs. If this guy's healthy, he's going top 10. And the LA Chargers need help on the inside. And if they can snag Jeffrey Simmons with this 28th pick, I think they will be jumping for joy to do so. I just think this is a, a plug-and-play guy and put him in between Ingram and Boson, that D-line next to Legit. God, he is the heir apparent. He is the guy. So I think there's a lot to be said about picking Jeffrey Simmons there. And I, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if he was available, but there are some teams who I think I could see taking Jeffrey Simmons a few picks before this just because of how good he is, even with the ACL injury. All right, 29. Seattle Seahawks, yet again, they got this pick from uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. And they already addressed their, their O-line. They, they drafted Andre Dillard. They got their guy. They got their Pacific Net Northwest dude, Hog Molly, who's going to keep that jersey clean for three. You just, you just spent all that money paying him that contract. Well-deserved for Russell Wilson, by the way. Now you got to address the defense. Your offense is okay. Now you got to address the defense. You just traded away Frank Clark, and you don't have a presence on the edge. And there's dudes available. If you guys haven't noticed, there are some really good edge rushers available that I have not, that have fallen down my draft. Namely, Cleland Farrell. Namely, Rashawn Gary, a guy out of Michigan. But I think this is where a little sleeper play comes in. And a guy who I think is a great fit in Seattle. A Seattle dude, a Seattle pick. Zach Allen, edge out of Boston College. The second BC Eagle to be taken in the first round of this draft. Big guy, strong, still doing a little bit of growing into his game, still has potential. But with that culture in Seattle, man, I can see this guy really being a fan favorite and, and, and playing, how should I put this, Making, proving the pick and then some, playing like a top 15 pick even. This guy can come in and be a game wrecker. I really believe that. And I think that this is one of my, personally, one of my favorite picks of my draft is Zach Allen at 29 to Seattle. I think there's a lot they could do with him, and I would be excited as a Seahawks fan bringing this guy into the locker room to replace Frank Clark for a lot less money. 30, we're back to the pack. The Green Bay Packers selected Cody Ford with their first or with their 12th pick, first round, to help Aaron, keep Aaron Rodgers' jersey clean, keep that guy safe. Now you got to give him someone to throw to, I think. Uh, you spent all that money on your defense, all that money. So I'm not even going to look at, you know, I'm GM here. I'm making the moves. I'm not even going to look at that defense. We'll address the defense later. We got pieces. We've drafted a lot of defense. Let's help 12 out. How are we going to win a Super Bowl? How are we going to get, you know, to the playoffs? Heck, because we haven't done that in a little while. You got to get guys around Aaron Rodgers that can make plays, and he, and, and he doesn't have enough of that right now. And no, I'm not picking Noah Fant. I'm not picking a tight end. I'm picking a receiver. 
And I told you guys I thought Hollywood Brown at 12. Here's a guy who I think might be an absolute steal at 30, and that's Debo Samuel, wide receiver out of South Carolina. Another kind of slot guy, even kind of an OW guy, offensive weapon. Just a kind of do-it-all guy, athlete, relatively sure-handed, pretty physical, and just a dude who, similar to Hollywood, like I said, can turn a seven-yard cross route into a touchdown and, and make moves and get physical. And, and ah, man, I really do like this pick. If, if Again, a little bit of a reach. Not a first-round grade on him, but for a team like the Packers, who spent a lot of money on defense and who just brought in Cody Ford to help block for Aaron Rodgers, now you got to give him someone to throw to besides Devontae Adams. Because I don't think Marquez Valdez-Scantling or even the kid from Notre Dame, uh, I'm completely blanking on his name, I don't think those are the guys who are going to help get Aaron Rodgers to promised land. And I'm not saying Debo Samuel is, you know, that guy. This is the guy. But this is a slot receiver who can come in and, and be like a young Randall Cobb, I think. And I think that might be perfect for Aaron Rodgers and perfect for the Packers and another great fit. Right after Zach Allen, Debo Samuel to the Green Bay Packers. I like this fit a lot. I like those two picks consecutively. I really do. 31, the Los Angeles Rams. Another interesting spot. A team, Super Bowl team, got a lot of depth, got talent. But the more I looked at the depth chart, I realized, heck, Aqib Tlaib's getting old. He's good, but he's getting old. And Marcus Peters is inconsistent. And you really don't have a true three. And you got DeAndre Baker on the board, cornerback out of Georgia. And that's the pick, DeAndre Baker. Another guy where you can say Greedy's 1A or Greedy's 1 and Byron Murphy's 1A. And I'd almost call DeAndre Baker 1B. Like this dude is just as capable as those other guys. He's long. He's a little bit longer. He's a little bit more physical. But I think the red flags on his coachability and his effort in practice and his attitude are what is going to, are, are, are ultimately what is going to send this guy to the end of the first round and maybe even creep him into the second round. And I think what, uh, you know, you, if you can try to come up with a better fit for DeAndre Baker than the Los Angeles Rams, please let me know in the comment section because you got a veteran and a keep to leave teaching him up. And Marcus Peters is a guy who has had locker room issues in the past. He is outspoken. He does play with a chip on his shoulder. You bring in that young puppy, DeAndre Baker, and you teach him how to play controlled. You teach him how to channel that, that angst and, 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 you know, be a professional. And this guy could end up being an, a bona fide stud corner for you. So with him available at 31, I think the Rams don't think twice about it. Closing out the first round, the New England Patriots, the 32nd pick. And you guys are going to hate this one, I think, because I hated it. And I thought it was a little bit unfair. It's a little unfair. I'll say it. But this is the pick that has to happen. And if I'm playing GM, and I'm Bill Belichick, and I got the 32nd pick, and I'm looking at up and down the board, I know I need an edge. I know I need help on the interior defensive line. Heck, I know Fant's still available. I need a tight end, right? I don't know, how, I don't know if Austin Safarian Jenkins is a long-term answer at tight end. But then you look and you say, wait a minute, Dwayne Haskins is available at quarterback from Ohio State. And heck, I don't love this guy, but I do have a second round grade on him. And if you're the 32nd pick, which is the last pick of the first round, and your backup quarterback is Brian Hoyer, 
And you have the opportunity to draft Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State, a 21-year-old kid. That's, that's going to be the best quarterback you've drafted. Like, he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo coming out of college. That's the best quarterback you've drafted in, you know, however long. <laughs> we all know who's been the starter there. And you, can, you have the opportunity to let Dwayne Haskins sit behind Tom Brady and be the heir apparent to the New England Patriots? Boy, oh boy, is that an exciting thought. And, and, and the NFL should be, you know, doing everything they can to not let this happen. But Dwayne Haskins is on the board at 32. The New England Patriots are going to select him, fellas. Hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that wraps up the first round, similar to Teddy Bridgewater to the Minnesota Vikings a few years ago. A guy who getting a lot of buzz early on. Things change, had a you know mediocre pro day or whatever. Ends up being the last pick of the first round of the Minnesota Vikings. And, you know, he was solid until the freak injury happened. But closing out the first round this year will be Dwayne Haskins, quarterback at Ohio State. And now I'm going to go take a leak and pretend that we woke up the next day and start the second round here, folks. You know I had to do it for you. Back with an empty bladder and a bottle full of lemon water here, ready for this second round. Um, hope you guys enjoyed my first round. And again, to be authentic, just gotta, gotta gotta stay authentic with you guys. This is just what I would do. And you know, if I'm a GM, these are the picks I would make, and I'm happy with them right now. Um, all right, let's start it off. Round two, Arizona Cardinals starting us off just like they did day one, taking Kyler Murray. It's day two now, and it's time to address some other needs. And there are a lot of other needs. Namely on the defensive line. Your defensive line is getting older. I know you signed Terrell Suggs, but you're going to need someone who's going to rush off the edge to replace him because we don't know how many more years he has playing. And while you're at it, maybe Suggs could teach him a few things, and that's Cleveland Farrell, edge out of Clemson, a guy who most likely will be picked in the first round. This is a first-round talent. This is a guy I have graded as a first-round talent, but with the way the board shaped up, they're going to they're gonna be edges slipping out of the first round. And Cleveland Farrell is the best one available. And you start off day two by taking this guy and let him do work on the D-line in Arizona. I considered O-line, but I just didn't want to reach on one. And I think Kyler has the escapability. I don't want to throw him under the bus like, like Seattle did Russell Wilson. But at least for the meantime, I think that with all the holes Arizona has, you can wait on O-line with Cleveland Farrell available. Indianapolis Colts. Second pick here in the second round. Drafted Dexter Lawrence in the first round. Now they're taking Nikhil Harry, receiver out of Arizona State. Uh, Devin Funches is not a long-term answer in Indianapolis. And you need someone to help T.Y. Hilton. Deion Kane was injured last year. You, you drafted your uh, defensive lineman in the first round. And give Luck a little bit of help. The guy needs it. And Nikhil Harry is a big receiver who can high point the ball and I think can make a great impact with a really good quarterback. And that's exactly what Indianapolis has. So I think this could be a match made in heaven. And then Indianapolis Colts taking Nikhil here. 35th pick, third pick in the second round here. Vegas Raiders, baby. And look who's still on the board. You got a wide open hole at tight end. Lee Smith is your starter and Noah Font's on the board. A guy who I could sneak into day two, but probably won't. And that's the guy you're taking. Noah Fant, tight end, Iowa. 
Um, first round talent, possible. I, I have him great as early second round talent, but you need to start in tight end more than anything. Jared Cook got a lot of your receptions last year. Um, and I think Gruden could do a lot with this guy. So with him available, I think you, you got to take him. Fourth pick of the second round, 36 pick, San Francisco 49ers. Interesting spot. Um, second pick in the first round was very easy. You take Bosa, he's best available. You let him do work. Now we look a little more big picture. The secondary is not great. You don't have the ball hawks to compete for a championship. Like I know the 49ers are, believe it or not. They're going to be trying to compete for a championship. Garoppolo, even though they had the second pick. And you need someone who can be a defensive playmaker. And this is a guy that has crept down a lot of draft boards and continually is creeping down a lot of draft boards. But around the time the college football season was wrapping up, this guy was a bona fide top 15 pick, and that's Deontay Thompson, safety out of Alabama. Getting selected to the San Francisco 49ers with the fourth pick in the second round, I mean, just a guy who can make plays on the defense side of the ball, uh, something San Francisco doesn't really have. Um, and a safety, come in and be the best safety on our team. Another guy who... You don't need him to be a downhill player. You don't need him to bang. You don't need him to be your best tackler. It's like, let the guy rover, let him ball hawk, and let him do what he does best and most naturally, and let him learn under Richard Sherman a little bit. I mean, I know Richard Sherman plays corner, but again, how to be a professional. you got a good leader in the secondary there. So bring in Deontay Thompson. I considered corner, but I just think the value is too good for Deontay here. It's a guy I like a lot. Um, 37, fifth pick. In the second round, the New York Giants. We're right back to the Giants, and they've taken Will Greer and Ed Oliver in the first round. And it's time to address the offensive line because you need to address the offensive line. You have a gaping hole at left tackle, and it needs to be filled. And here's a pick from the heart, baby. Yadni Kajust, offensive tackle from West Virginia. The guy who protected Will Greer's blindside in college is going to do the same thing in the pros. Kajust is someone, yeah, he, there are parts of his game that worry me a little bit, but passionate, fiery, athletic, not extremely flexible, but strong and can play guard if, if all else fails. So you bring in a guy who's going to bolster your offensive line. He's a little bit older. He's experienced uh, as a redshirt senior and, you know, 6'5", 315, just a, a, an O-tackle, a guy who... who and, and you got that rapport with Greer. I just think this is a good pick. You got to bolster that offensive line at some point in New York. So, one better to do it than uh, the second round here. 38, the fifth, or the, excuse me, the sixth pick in the 2019 second round of this draft will be Rashawn Gary to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, definitely, again, considered offensive line here, but. Bring, the opportunity to bring in Rashawn Gary in the second round as a rotational guy and a defensive line for the Jaguars is pie in the sky. Um, I have him graded lower than a lot of people, even as a Michigan fan, just because I really don't think he made his presence felt quite enough for me to have a first-round grade on him. But with the potential there, I think this would be a great pick for the Jaguars to groom him. And with all the horses they have on their defensive line already, I think Gary could, uh, could learn a thing or two. From, uh, from the people down there in Jacksonville. So you take that high ceiling pick in Rashawn Gary, and you don't look back. Um, second round, seventh pick, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You got, you got Devin White in the first round. Now it's really time to address the O-line, and that's where you get offensive guards slash center out of Texas A&M, Eric McCoy, 
Um, don't have too much to say about this guy. Proved his athleticism at the combine, but just a dude you can come who can come in and, and work on that uh, inside the inside of your offensive line from day one. Uh, help help keep James's uh, James's uh, jersey clean there in Tampa Bay. So Eric McCoy bolster that O line. Forty Buffalo Bills. You brought in Devin White in the first round. Excuse me, Devin Bush. You brought in Devin Bush in the first round. The stud linebacker from Michigan. You could, you know, running back was a position that I was looking at here. But just with the low value of running back, I think you could maybe splash on a running back a round or two from now. And I think that Tredavious White is a phenomenal corner, but the guy needs help. And Kevin Johnson from... The Houston Texans has had a bad, bad, bad career so far. He's not good. So that's your number two corner right there. Get a little bit of security in the secondary and bring in one of my personal favorite players in this draft, Justin Lane, cornerback from Michigan State. I love the the idea of this guy coming to Buffalo because you've got the athlete and the lockdown guy in Tredavious. Now bring in the 6'3", 195-pound lanky dude from Michigan State who's sticky and can guard big guys. Um, another pick that I just think a dude who could really get after it on that Buffalo defense, and you have holes along the in, uh, the interior of your defensive line, maybe even the edge too, but I just think this secondary pick with Justin Lane being the long guy and Tredavious being the, the, the lockdown guy is uh, a match made in heaven for Buffalo and Boy, just keep bolstering that defense and give yourself a little bit of time to be the competitive team that you guys know you can be. Um, Justin Lane, Michigan State. 41, Denver Broncos. A little bit of added pressure on this pick just because you took the luxury of taking, uh, you know, some hotshot receiver in the first round with your 10th pick. Um, and you, you, you do have holes in your defense that need to be addressed. You hired Vic Fangio, and you need help on your defense. And if you're going to take the receiver in the first round, you got to focus on the defense in the second round here. And you take the best available interior guy because that's the biggest hole in your defense besides linebacker. And I'm not reaching for a linebacker here because that would be a reach, in my opinion. I'm taking Charles Amenihu, interior guy from Texas, played a little edge, uh, big dude, long, disruptive, and just a guy who I think not you're not getting the greatest value in the world out of this pick. You really aren't, but you're getting a rotational guy who can help open things up a little bit for Chubb and Von Miller, uh, which is exactly what you need. So, Amenihu, yeah, it's not a sexy pick, but you took that luxury on that sexy pick in the first round, and you're going to hope that that thing's going to splash. So, Charles Amenihu, Texas, 41st pick. Cincinnati Bengals, 42nd. I said it earlier. After drafting Jonah Williams, your past defense was awful last year. Trash, garbage, your corners aren't that great. They're overrated, in my opinion. Kirkpatrick and William Jackson, they're overrated. You need corners that can grow into the position. Amani Oruare, Penn State, I can hardly pronounce his name, but he's an athlete. He's got potential. I think his best football is in front of him, and I think it's a guy you can plug in and he can learn a little bit in that past defense for the Bengals. Um, not too much more to say about it. 43, Detroit Lions. Similar position. You need a corner here, I think. You drafted your, your IDL in the first round. And 
there's value to be had at this spot at corner. I really think that the Lions can't afford to take anyone other than a corner here in the second round. And that's why I got him taking David Long, corner from Michigan. Um, a lot of people will, will scream overdraft at this. But David Long impressed me, man. Not a guy who's going to jump off the tape, but not a guy who you want guarding you on Saturday. Um, he's going to jam you. He's going to get in your face. He's going to be physical. He's going to be sticky and... I would love for the Lions to make this pick. This is a guy I personally like a lot, and being a Michigan fan, call it what you want. You know, call it overdrafting, call it a reach. I'd love to see David Long wearing that Honolulu Honolulu blue next year and being playing comfortable in that cornerback two position behind Darius Slay and playing into that position a little bit. Forty-four, Green Bay Packers, Chase Winovich, Edge, Michigan. Two Wolverines going back-to-back. This is more of a fit pick. I know you spent your money on the defense, but you just drafted a receiver and an O-lineman. you got to address the defense now. You spent money on Adrian Amos this offseason. I don't know why these guys are screaming in Green Bay. They're screaming safety, 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 right? We need a safety really badly. You got Josh Jones who you drafted, I think, two years ago, who maybe isn't a great strong safety for you, but it's like, dude, you drafted them two years ago. You kind of got to give the guy a chance. And you signed Adrian Amos this offseason, who was one of the best free safeties in the league last year for Chicago, and he's 26 years old. So I don't really see where the impetus to draft a safety is necessarily coming from this high. And that's why I'm going to go straight back to the edge, man. Even with the money you spent this offseason, you got Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith, but you've got no one behind them on the edge. You've got nobody. And that's why you bring in Chase Winovich from Michigan. Uh, a lot of people have that, those Clay Matthews comparisons. I don't necessarily see exactly a Clay Matthews comparison. I, I think Winovich is more of a hand-in-the-dirt hand type of guy. But boy, do I like Winovich, man. And I, I, and I would love to see him in this uniform, even being a Lions fan. Just with the culture of the fans there, I think Winovich would fit in great. And I think he'd be a... a Physical presence for them off the edge. Um, and a guy who could end up getting a lot of snaps, maybe even right off the bat. Atlanta Falcons, 45th pick. Again, you dra- you you address you address that O-line in the in the first round. Now it's time to address the defense because you need you need help on the defense. And this pick has a lot to do with the fact that I believe in Isaiah Oliver as a cornerback. And I don't think you really need too much help right now at cornerback. I think Trufon and Oliver are a great one-two tandem at corner. And Vic Beasley is inconsistent, and you need help rushing the pass, and that's why I'm taking Ja'Kai Polite, edge from Florida. Um, off the field issues, yeah. Attitude issues, yeah, maybe. A little bit. But boy, can he play football. And if you get this guy in the right environment with the right people around him, which I think Atlanta might have that to offer. I, I could be wrong, but Dan Quinn's a defensive guy. He's got young dudes around him. Deion Jones, Duke Riley. Bring him in. Let him do work. I think that Polite's a guy that has a very high ceiling. And Atlanta may have the luxury of drafting him and, and letting him work into that uh, defense a little bit. So I like the prospects of Polite going here, and I think that uh, it'd be a great fit in Atlanta. Here we are at the uh, much-anticipated 46th pick, the only traded pick in this mock draft, which is originally the Washington Redskins pick, which I have given to the Arizona Cardinals in exchange for Josh Rosen. And... Again, another spot where you can you can address the offensive line. You need help on the offensive line, but do you want to reach on a guy like Greg Little? Do you want to reach maybe on a guy like El- Elton Jenkins? 
Do you want to reach maybe on a guy like Titus Howard? I don't know. The, the crop isn't great at offensive line. And again, t- Kyler's got escapability. And I don't want to pin it all on that, but there are holes all over this team. And DJ Swearinger is your starting free safety right now. And I love DJ Swearinger as much as the next guy, but I don't think the farewell tour in Arizona is going to result in, in uh, high production play and in good pass coverage because it never has. And that's why I'm taking Desir Adderley, safety out of Delaware for the Arizona Cardinals with the 46th pick to come in to learn and to be a ball hawk that he has been his whole career at Delaware in Arizona. I'm passing up the O-line and I'm bringing in the safety of the future to play alongside Buda Baker there in Arizona for years to come. 47, Carolina Panthers. You took the project pick in the first round. You took Montez Sweat. And I'm considering, ah, yeah, I'm considering O-line. I'm considering O-line. But similar to Arizona, I don't know if I want to reach right now on O-line. I don't know, you know, really what I'm getting. And with Carolina, I want to know what I'm getting here. And I looked up and down the depth chart. Boy, do they have a whole... It's almost, it's Ravens-esque at receiver for the Carolina Panthers. They've got to have the second worst receiving core in the NFL behind the Ravens. You got DJ Moore, you drafted in the first round last year, right? Curtis Samuel is your second best receiver, and that's a guy who is a bust from Ohio State, a guy who really doesn't have a position. Looks more like a running back than a receiver to me, and it's not going to be, you know, taking the top of any top off of any defenses like a lot of people thought he would a few years ago. So you've got him as an OW kind of, and then you got Torrey Smith, Jarius Wright, Chris Hogan. I mean, it's like those those are guys that are all all of those guys' best days are behind them. All of them. By far, all of their best days are behind them. So you've got an Ian Thomas, a young tight end who can grow. you got Greg Olson, who's the vet on your team. You bring in a receiver, man. Get someone for Cam to throw the ball to besides DJ Moore, who just so happens to be 22 years old, right? Uh, I know and I know you'd be drafting another young guy, but your number one receiver can't be 22 years old, you know, uh, carrying the load for you guys while you're trying to huck the ball out to Jarius Wright and Torrey Smith and Chris Hogan. Like, Chris Hogan, it's just not going to work. Stuff like that doesn't work. And you kind of just got to bite the bullet here and take A.J. Brown, who I think is going to make that impact from day one. Um, a lot of people, you know, doubt this guy. Others th- say he's better than DK. Uh, you know, he has he had better production than DK, and I think he's a little more versatile in terms of his route tree and what he can do with the ball in his hands after after the catch, too. So... A.J. Brown's a guy I take here uh, for the Carolina Panthers and give Cam another target to throw to on the outside. 48, Miami Dolphins. This is where I reach. This is where, you know, you took the edge rusher Burns in the first round. You don't have a quarterback. You don't need to take a quarterback. I, I'm not in love with any quarterback on the board right now as a second-round prospect. Not Drew Locke, not Daniel Jones. The closest one I would say is Ryan Finley, and I don't know. That's the uh, you're in purgatory here a little bit if you're Miami. Why would you take Ryan Finley unless you think he's going to be the quarterback of the future? You don't, right? You take Greg Little, offensive tackle from Ole Miss. We go back to back on the Ole Miss guys: AJ Brown to the Carolina Panthers and Greg Little to the Miami Dolphins. I think he's the best offensive tackle available. You got Laramie Tunzel on the left side. Little's another five-star guy. Played at Ole Miss. 
Kind of reminds me of Tunzel a little bit, a little bit less effective, but I think it's a solid fit, and you bring another big SEC boy down to block for you in Miami and to, to protect whatever quarterback of the future you're going to draft next year. 49, Cleveland Browns. First pick of the draft here for the Cleveland Browns, and they need help in the secondary, whether it be safety or corner, and I just think they needed a little bit more help at corner than they did at safety, so I drafted Rocky Sin, corner from Temple. Guy I don't know too much about, but from the, uh, the minimal film I've watched, similar to Oruare and David Long in the way where value-wise, I think he's a round two guy, but can play to the potential of a late round one guy, like I feel about Oruare and Long. One of these guys is going to pop. One of these guys is going to show something, and I think Rockison is worth the pick here for the Cleveland Browns, you know, not having a lot of help behind Denzel Ward at cornerback there. Number 50, uh, Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings, uh, they took care of that, that interior offensive line in the first round, and now it's time. The, Harrison Smith hasn't had a solid running mate at safety, uh, you know, for as long as I can remember having uh, Andrew Sendejo back there and J. Ron Curse, and I just don't think that those guys are starting NFL players. Sendejo's gone. You need a safety. Here's a little bit of a reach. This is a guy I like, Amani Hooker, safety from Iowa, Physical dude, can play strong safety, but can also cover. And he's a little bit of a tweener maybe, but I think this is a guy with a high ceiling and would fit in great around a great defense, which is what Minnesota has. Harrison Smith would be an incredible partner to have back there at safety. And I think Hooker could learn a lot. He's a Big Ten guy, an Iowa guy. Iowa produces solid players in the secondary. And I think Amani Hooker would be a great pick here for the, uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. Titans, baby. Tennessee Titans. We drafted Tillery in the first round. We, we got Vrabel that inside help. Now we got to give Vrabel that edge help. I'm, I'm, I'm stockpiling it, man. Jalen Ferguson, edge, Louisiana Tech for the Tennessee Titans. Bring in another guy. I know Harold Landry you drafted last year, but you don't have anyone else. Cameron Wake's your other edge rusher. That guy is 35 years old, 36 years old. You need a replacement. You need a guy who can learn under, under him. And Jalen Ferguson is a guy with a little bit of a sketchy past. Didn't get invited to the combine, but similar to Ja'Kai Polite, I think a guy who may have some red flags, but also has traits of a first-round talent. So you bring in Jalen Ferguson, you coach him up, and if Rabel can do right with both those guys, they're going to have a completely different look on the D-line next year, and it could be very scary. Because Lord knows, you got to get... You got to get um, these quarterbacks in that division under pressure. Sean Watson, Andrew Luck, Nick Foles. That is not an easy division to play against. And you got to get those guys under pressure. Your secondary has been addressed somewhat in years past. It's time to bring the pressure on the front seven. And Jalen Ferguson is the move to make here for the Tennessee Titans. 52nd overall pick. We're moving through this second round, baby. We're right through here at pick number 52, the 20th pick of the second round. Pittsburgh Steelers, you address corner. You got greedy in the first round. You got greedy and got greedy. Um, I'm assuming that joke has been made probably thousands of times already by mock drafters all over. But you got to address receiver. Juju Smith-Schuster is great. I don't think he's a number one receiver. I think he can be, but I do think he needs a running mate, and James Washington will not do enough, especially with uh, Ben Roethlisberger's deteriorating play. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Yes, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I'm drafting him over Kelvin Harmon, and I'm drafting him over Hakeem Butler. And here's why. I think J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is an incredible red zone target, and although he played in a shoddy Pac-12 conference, yeah, the Pac-12 is shoddy, and he didn't experience great coverage, physical play, 
He's a great red zone target. He adjusts the ball well, and he's got sure hands. And I think that's exactly what the Steelers need. Juju can do the stuff after the catch. James Washington can do the stuff after the catch. But when it comes down to it and you need that guy to go up and high point the ball, they really don't have a guy who can do that. Not saying Juju can't, but they need a running mate for him. And I think our Sega Whiteside, this is right around where I have his value. I think this would be a great pick for the Steelers. Give Ben another big target to throw the ball up to and to you know maybe make some plays there in Pittsburgh. 53, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, you drafted Mac Wilson, and you've got, you know, you were at pick 53 now, and you've got pick 57 coming up. The Eagles got those two picks. So we're going to address the defense even more. I'm not going to, I'm going to forget about the offense right now. The, the Eagles offense is friggin' fine. And I think the defense is great, obviously, but you need help at safety. And you bring in versatile safety from Florida, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, a guy who can play a little nickel, and he's so versatile. You can, you can almost play him at either safety position. Let that guy stick him somewhere and let him do work. I'm sure if you brought that guy in in the second round, uh, Jim Schwartz would have something, to, something for him to do. So just watching his tape, it's a guy who can make big plays. And, and you know, I don't, I'm not in love with him. There's a reason why he's going mid-second round and not first round like a lot of people have him. But I think that uh, this would be a great value for Philadelphia in the second round here. And I'm going to do picks 54 and 55 together here. The Houston Texans have two picks consecutively here in the second round, 54 and 55. And the Texans drafted Dalton Risner in the first round. And I'm going right back to the well, baby. Elton Jenkins, interior offensive lineman, center guard from Mississippi State. Uh, I know I say big about every offensive lineman, but this dude, he's a big boy. He's a big boy. And he's uh, 6'4", 300, 3, 313. Um, play a little center, can play a little guard. Didn't get a lot of penalties in college. And just a plug-in interior guy. You, you need help on that offensive line, man. You need help. Stop running from it. Bring in the best offensive lineman available. And that's Elton Jenkins to me at this point at 54. And then 55, Julian Love, corner from Notre Dame. You lost Kevin Johnson. Not that he was great. In the offseason, and I know you signed Bradley Roby. Oh, I'm going too fast here. I know you signed Bradley Roby to a one-year deal. But you need more help at corner, man. You got Aaron, Col- Aaron Colvin. And Jonathan Joseph. The guy's 35 years old. He seems like an ageless wonder, but you got to address that. I know you brought in Aaron Colvin uh, last year, but uh, you need a little bit of help at corner. You need someone to replace Jonathan Joseph. The next best corner in your roster is uh, Jonathan or Johnson Batamosi, who shouldn't be in the NFL. Um, Julian Love, Notre Dame, my best cornerback available. Take him, let him, let him get groomed a little bit under uh, Jonathan Joseph, and move forward with, with, the, with the secondary being your last pick in the second round here. 56, New England Patriots. Um, you drafted Dwayne Haskins in the first round. Congratulations, he was on the board. Good job. Your defensive line has still got a lot of holes, and you need help on that defensive line, notably on the inside. Take the number one interior defensive lineman available and do not look back. I don't think – I think there's a big drop-off after this guy – in terms of talent on the inside, and that's Draymond Jones from Ohio State, getting selected by the Patriots with a 56 pick here. Um, plug this guy in, put him in your rotation. I mean, it's the Patriots for Christ's sake. The guy was a uh, was a gamer in the Big Ten at Ohio State, and if he's available here at 56, I think the Patriots would be uh, ecstatic to pick this guy. 57, Philadelphia Eagles right back on the clock after selecting uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson four picks ago, five picks ago, four picks ago. Yeah. Um, Staying on the defensive side of the ball, man. Another game wrecker, another edge rusher, a dude who I've loved for a while. 
Um, ben Banagoo, edge rusher from, from TCU. You brought in Mac Wilson. You covered that middle linebacker position. You brought in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. You, you covered that safety position. Now you need to get a pass rusher who can rotate with the best of them because Chris Long can't play forever. And Brandon Graham's great, but he's getting a little bit older. Ben friggin' Banagoo. Pair that guy with Derek Barnett in the future. Get him on the rotation now. He's a long, athletic guy who I think has great NFL upside. And, boy, I, th- I would love to watch this guy go to Philly and play on a defense with pieces around him. Ben Banagoo from TCU is the pick there at 57. Just letting you guys know, seven picks left in the draft here. Thank you for sticking with me. I've, I've tried to make this as pleasant as possible. I've gotten stumbled up a few times here, but I like this draft. I like where my head's at here. 58, the Dallas Cowboys fi- uh, picking for, for the first time in this draft. Traded their first-round pick to Oakland for Amari. You need a safety. Jeff Heath sh- cannot be your starting safety week one of the 2019 season. Jonathan Abram. Throwback dude, hard hitter for Mississippi State. I'm not in love with him. Um, I think he's more of a box player, more of a hitter. Uh, liability and coverage somewhat. But you bring him in to play strong safety. Your secondary is solid, and I think he's an upgrade from Jeff Heath. And I think he's a guy who could cause some forced fumbles, make some big hits, and bring a little bit more bang to that defense. Um, plug him in right over Jeff Heath on that on that uh, depth chart. Jonathan Abram, safety out of Michigan, or Mississippi State. Indianapolis Colts, 59th pick in the draft. So the Colts have drafted Dexter Lawrence to plug in on the inside and on the interior defensive line, D-tackle there. And they brought in Nikhil Harry in the second round, receiver from Arizona State, which I think is a great pick, great value there. Now it's time to address the cornerback position because Quincy Wilson is not the player that you thought he would be. Pierre Desir is inconsistent and played well at the end of the year, but I don't know if that's a reliable corner to move forward with. And Trayvon Mullen's on the board. Trayvon Mullen is a guy I like a lot. Some people like him a lot more than others. So I think some people have him as a fourth-round prospect. Some people have him as a high second-round prospect. I'm more in the mid to late second. That's why I got him going here, 59 to the Colts. Long dude. Uh, I think the upside's high here, though, for Trayvon Mullen. I really do. I mean, I don't think he's got incredible, you know, pass coverage, but he's long, and I think you know, his, uh, like I've said before, you know, in this very podcast, I think his best football is ahead of him. So uh, the Colts, the corner's a need, and I think he's the best corner available. So long story short, Trayvon Mullen, 6'2", 195, long dude. Pair him up with Pierre Desir and, you know, let him do work. Let him go to work. Get that rotation of corners going. Moving forward, 60. Boy, I can smell the end of this draft here. We're in the final five. Sam Tevy is a starting right tackle for the Los Angeles Chargers, and they need more depth. But you got to get someone who can play now, and that's Titus Howard, offensive tackle from Alabama State, an FCS guy, 6'5", 320. There are definitely holes in this guy's game. He's an FCS player, but he's big, and there's a lot you can do with him, and, he's, and, and, and if you can coach him up right, you can get a starting offensive lineman, and I think that's worth the pick there for the Chargers. Um, not a bad offensive line. I'd say it's a middle-of-the-pack offensive line, but who knows? This pick could boost you up into uh, you know a re- more respectable offensive line, so I think you got to make that pick. He's the best OT available here. Got him going to the Chargers here. Titus Howard, 60. 61, Kansas City Chiefs. Got pick 63 as well. And this is where I take Paris Campbell, wide receiver from Ohio State. Tyreek Hill, 
Don't know if he's going to be playing football next year for the Kansas City Chiefs. And not willing to gamble on that. Paris Campbell's a guy who is a, I consider him an offensive weapon, and I consider Kansas City the only team in the NFL who really knows what to do with offensive weapons, maybe besides the Saints. I don't know. And Paris Campbell's a guy who I think the Chiefs are a team that could do a lot with. Uh, would not have any other team draft this guy before the third round due to the fa- his inability to track deep balls and, and you know, his problem with drops. But just with his sheer speed, athleticism, and ability to be a football player and, and make, make plays with the ball in his hands, I think Kansas City would be an incredible fit, and I think this could be the, uh, the soon-to-be-replacement for Tyreek Hill because you got to consider that uh, after, after the bad decisions uh, Tyreek Hill has made off the field. 62, New Orleans Saints, and I'm taking a page out of Adam Klepp's book here, and I'm taking Andy Isabella, another receiver, slot guy out of UMass. Um, you know, we're real late in the second round here, 62nd pick, and you're, you need someone to help Michael Thomas, who you can make an argument is the best receiver in the league, but your number two guy is Traquan Smith, and I know he had kind of had a little bit of a breakout year last year from Central Florida. Kind of a stud dude. 6'2", 200. Looked like he could be a real option at receiver number two. But they really don't have a, a slot guy that's reliable. And I don't know. I think this team could do a lot with a slot guy who's reliable. And I think Andy Isabel is a slot guy who's reliable. So if he's on the board there at 62, I think that's a great pick for the Saints. And uh, you take him and don't look back. Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you just drafted Paris Campbell two picks ago to be an offensive weapon. And in the first round, you traded your pick away. So this is your second pick in the draft for the Kansas City Chiefs, and I think there's a decent amount of pressure on them to make a splash here just because these picks are you know, within two of each other in the late second round, so they really got to do their homework on guys that are going to be available at this point in the draft. But I just think there's a gaping hole in, in the pass defense. You just signed Frank Clark to be an edge rusher, so you don't really need an edge rusher as desperately as you need some pass defense and this is a little bit of off the beaten path here, but Michael Jackson, cornerback out of Miami, is a guy I like a lot. He's long, he's athletic, kind of reminds me of Trayvon Mullen a little bit. Michael Jackson honestly jumped off the tape a little bit more than Trayvon Mullen did, in my opinion, but I think Trayvon Mullen's a safer bet. Um, but with the pieces around him on that defense, I think Michael Jackson could fit in well in Kansas City, and I think that'd be a good pick, picking an athlete who who, uh, who is long and, and I think is going to get his hands on the ball a lot. Um, Michael Jackson, corner out of Miami with the 63rd pick. And to round up this mock draft, the final pick of the second round, um, the New England Patriots, I know it's another steal here. Irv Smith is available. Austin Severian Jenkins is your starting tight end, and I understand that. But Irv Smith is a highly capable, talented tight end that I do not think will be available yet again here with this last pick in the second round. But if he is, you got to take him if you're the New England Patriots. And I think that this is the tight end of the future um, in, New, in New England. Um, after bringing in Dwayne Haskins in the first round, bringing in Irv Smith, a guy you can develop, I think would be a great move for New England. So with him on the board, you can't pass him up. And that'll wrap up my, uh, my two-round mock here. Um, definitely had a lot of fun and looking forward to tomorrow a lot, if you guys couldn't tell. So this has uh, been a great experience. And boy, I, this is a very fun draft. It's been fun to analyze, and I honestly can't wait. So I hope that... Uh, Hope you guys enjoyed this, and remember that this is from a standpoint of me trying to be the best GM I can possibly be. I'm not trying to predict any picks here, and um, love to hear the feedback. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks. Yeah. Draft day. Johnny Manziel. Five years later, how am I the man still? Draft day. A. Wiggins. Fuck that other side, bitch. We stay winning.
Yelling out, pay the guys, man, I had to do it for you 